Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2023. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are... Tori, they, them. And Serena, she, her. Thanks for coming on the show again, Serena. It's been a while since we had you on as a guest, I think. Yeah, I don't even remember which one I did last time. Uh, so There was something after Daria, right? Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since all three of us have been together, too, because there's been a couple episodes that y'all two just did. That's right. We did the BTS story and the Rainbow Magic story. Mm. It's got to have been like a year ago now, though. It was a while ago, yeah. And y'all did uh, uh, the Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah, and we did... Um... Neil Gaiman? Neil Gaiman. I, I How do you say know. his name? <laughs> Whatever. Emerald, study in Emerald. I study in Emerald, thank yeah. you. But yeah, we were kind of inspired this time, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you want to lead in there, Serena? <laughs> well, most people have probably heard of the Netflix Wednesday, mm-hmm. which I watched and loved because I've always been a Tim Burton fan, personally, and also an Adams Family fan. And it's good. And I made a motto watch it. Yeah, we almost finished Wednesday before reading this 3,000 word fanfic oh. not based on Wednesday, but we didn't quite finish it. So hopefully that doesn't impede our discussion too much. Oh, yeah. Well, my frame of reference for this was Wednesday because I never like obviously I was aware of the Adams family growing up. Right. But I I just watched this morning half of the 1991 film. I'd never mm-hmm. seen it. I I remember seeing Christina Ricci as Wednesday in pop culture, but like I'd literally never seen the movie, I realized. And it's so interesting because I love the Wednesday show. I thought it was great. And the movie so far has been good. I just didn't expect it to be something I would like. So, huh. yeah. So you didn't end up watching it when you were a kid. Like Adam's Family Values was a big thing for yeah. our generation, oh, I thought. <laughs> I know. I was totally aware of it. It just like I it seemed like horror. I know it's not now. I know it's not. But like I was never into like horror or macabre things. Mm. I thought it would kind of freak me out. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think my Adam's Family experience is more representative of our generation which is that I have vague memories of both movies existing and extremely intense memories of the Wednesday subplot and Adam Family Values. Mm-hmm, the Pilgrim. Like the, the Pilgrim, like summer camp stuff. Right. I, I just kind of assumed that everybody in our generation had those same sort of vibes. It's probably true. I think <laughs> I, I just sort of, I don't know, missed out because I thought, what, thought it wouldn't be my thing. I thought it'd be scary. I thought there would be too many spiders or something. Got it. Yeah, surprisingly few spiders, really. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and I'll watch it. So anyway, with the Wednesday show that we've been watching, I decided I should check for Adam's Family fan fiction. And sure enough, it exists. Not a huge amount. A surprising amount apparently pairing Wednesday and that, like, Jewish kid from the summer oh, camp yeah. and Adam's Was Family it? Values. Yeah. <laughs> Joel Glickman, I think. There you go. That's practically the name of my wow. father. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> No, it's Glicker. 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 Joel Glicker. That's even closer. <laughs> one, one letter, letter closer. closer. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but I, I didn't really want to read like, you know, some Het Wednesday pairing. But I did find another story that was recommended. And um, I think it was just recommended off of the TV Tropes fanfic rec page because that's sometimes where I've got to turn. A little unreliable. But it's called The Last Rites of Wednesday Adams. It was written by Voodoo Child for Yuletide 2007. And Yuletide is something we've run into before, but do either of you remember what it is? 
Serena, we probably haven't done a Yuletide story. I stories. don't know what that is. Pop quiz, story. Okay. Uh, something about Christmas. Yeah, sort of. It, it's a, um, in the fan fiction community, it's a rare pair fanfic exchange where basically someone mm. puts up a prompt, even just as vague as like, I want someone to do a fanfic based on street sharks or whatever. And then somebody else is like, oh, I can write a fanfic based on street sharks and it writes at least 3,000 words of that for that person as their gift for Yuletide. Oh, it's like a gift. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I, I do remember that now. Yeah. Like, is it's not like a white elephant per se. No, because it's but, very specific who yeah. you're writing it for. But like, is, people get to pick though. It's not like, like somebody puts it up and somebody else picks it. That's not, my understanding. It's, it's not like, not like specific, you know what I mean? Right. It's not like, oh, you've been chosen randomly to write about street sharks. Go. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> mm. But it's not like it's not as specific as giving a gift specifically to a friend. It's like somebody I mean, it posts could what be they for a want, friend. right? And somebody else picks it up out of like they choose it. But it's halfway in between. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. I've never participated in Yuletide, but my understanding is that yeah, someone steps forward to sign up for a specific one, and that's why several times when we've done stories based on very like less popular franchises. It turns out it's a Yuletide gift for someone. <laughs> so do you know what the prompt was for this one? Or um, I have no idea. And mm -hmm. it might, as far as I know, it might even have just been an Adams Family fanfic or like an Adams Family fanfic focused on Wednesday. Who knows? But it does say in the notes on the AO3 posting, written for Caro D, which would be the person who requested whatever it was that they requested. Got it. Also, it's specifically in Adams Family 1991. Right. Uh, fandom. Which means Adam Family Values also. It talks about Adam's Family Values yes. stuff a lot. Okay. Because okay. Uh, there were two movies in that continuity. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's only, yeah, 2,300 words. I think 1,000 is the minimum for a Yuletide story. Uh, I guess let's just jump into it. Who wants to describe the premise of the story? Uh, Amado, did you already say who the author was? And In passing. Okay, just making sure. Voodoo Child. Yes. The Last Rites of Wednesday Adams, which is, it's interesting. Like, apparently when the um, women in her mother's line, Morticia's line, uh, Nightshade is their family name or in something? In this fanfic, yeah. In this fanfic. I, I don't yeah. think that's a canon thing. When they turn 18, they have to go through some sort of ritual that they either survive or don't survive. And um, in the past... Uh, a pair of twins were in Iron Maiden and one got stuck in there and it's very Adam's Family flavor. They had to feed her slivers through the mouth hole until she died at the age of 45. But the other one had, had a very, I don't know how they describe it, but she had a lovely, like, continuing to be septic wound somehow and never healed that made her very attractive. <laughs> a festering wound as a festering. souvenir for the rest yeah. of her life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, to be clear about the ritual as this fanfic is inventing it, the only point is for the 18-year-olds to come near death. They can kind of choose how they do it, but usually it's like some kind of traditional torture, apparently. Mm -hmm. There's a good line somewhere, I forget the exact line, of something like, court death and pray for life or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like, you know, apparently dying isn't a big deal to them either. And this is something I got from watching the... um 
beginning of the 1991 Adams Family film is that they keep trying to contact Fester through a seance, mm-hmm. which is like uh, what Morticia says to Wednesday is like, if you die, find some way to contact us. Yeah. Like a big deal. That was really cute in this fanfic. We're skipping ahead, but it's so short. That, yeah, Wednesday chooses something where she's going to go off far away as her mm-hmm. as her courting death. And yeah, Morticia tells her, look, if you die, find a way to tell us because otherwise we're going to worry about you. <laughs> yeah. Which like when I was reading this, having no context, because I read this before I watched the movie, I was like, what? Oh, OK, I guess that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And Tori, how far did you get in the movie? Because they seem to reference that like Uncle Fester was in the Bermuda Triangle because the whole first movie deals with like, where is Uncle Fester? And then he comes back. But yes. he has amnesia or something. Mm-hmm. And so like, oh. I guess the assumption is he was in the Bermuda Triangle. I think that's the I don't remember the first movie very well. Here's the thing. As far as I got into the first movie, because this is good context for why I did not understand this fanfic. As far as I got, um, somebody's who is hypothetically not uh, played by Christopher Lloyd. Hypothetically, he's not Uncle Fester. He's pretending to be Uncle Fester. But I don't know. Does it? But end then in, up, the, in, the, in end, the end, he actually is. I mean, that makes sense because, like, who else looks like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he had amnesia. Okay. That makes a lot of sense for the context of this because Wednesday does choose to go into the Bermuda Triangle and that is referenced frequently. Like she, mm-hmm. And that was a thing in the first movie is she was obsessed with the Bermuda Triangle. They mentioned it at dinner when uh, oh. Fester first says he came. It's weird because um, he's hypothetically pretending to be Fester and he says he came back from the Bermuda Triangle, but he's supposed to be lying. But I guess it ends up being true anyway. Oh, that's interesting. I had yeah. not seen the first movie in a long time. Okay. So I assumed this was supposed to be kind of like a her admiring or looking up to Uncle Fester sort of thing and wanting to go through what he did. But no, I guess he just really likes the Bermuda Triangle, which seems fair. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little bit of both, because I mean, even though I know this is like not written with the Netflix Wednesday mm-hmm. in mind, but like she seems to have a very fondness, you know, great fondness for her Uncle Fester. So Yeah, yeah. So it seems fitting that she wants to do whatever weird thing he did for herself. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's what I thought, too. And yeah, I'm, I, I find myself, of course, doing this like compare and contrast reading this interpretation of the Adams Family versus the show Wednesday, which, you know, uh, is, of course, fresh in my mind. And so, you know, some of the things are setting things, which are kind of choices that, that Wednesday made as a, as a show. But some of them are character things, right? Because both of them age up Wednesday a little bit to being a teenager and focus on the relationship between her and Morticia. And I mean, you know, this story only has 2,300 words in which to focus on that, so it's not, like, very deep. But broadly speaking, they're getting along a lot better here than in the the Netflix show. Mm, yeah, where they're a little bit more cold to each other. Or For sure. Wednesday cold to her mother, yeah. Right, it's more of a conscious like teenage rebellion i do not want to be like my mom in the show and in this it's more of a teenage i have to go my own path because the tension such as it is is morticia being like look don't go off into the middle of nowhere for possibly years where we don't won't know like what's happening with you just do something normal like chinese water torture (laughs) yeah and um there's kind of frequent references that morticia makes in her mind because this is third-person omniscient, and I think we're more in Morticia's head than anything that we're also a little in Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. But 
you know, uh, how Morticia will say her daughter had always taken after Gomez in a tendency towards single-minded obsession. You know, she'll highlight the ways in which uh, Wednesday's like her and like her father at the same time. In passing, by the way, she mentions that Pugsley inherited her side of the family's height. And I do very much appreciate the image that Pugsley's going to be six foot three at some point when he like right. he's fully grown. <laughs> well, and you know, I think it's funny too because they highlight uh Wednesday's height, which they also do in um in the Wednesday TV show. They cast a very short actress. Mm-hmm. Um when Christina Ricci was supposed to be playing a younger character, but she was very short. She was shorter than Pugsley in the movie. And she is actually actually was a teenager when she was playing that role, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Well, let's see. I, I guess we finished talking through the story, right? Not really. I mean, we didn't get to the end. No, I mean, I guess that's what we do now. Oh, oh. I guess we finished talking. Okay, got it. Sorry. So again, the, the, sen- the point of tension in the middle of the story, very briefly, is Wednesday going off and doing something kind of longer and more far-reaching. And, but she goes off to the Bermuda Triangle, right? Uh, presumably for her 18th birthday. And then there's kind of, you know, a sequence of them like waiting and Gomez in particular is always like sure that she's going to be back at any time. He's like constantly waiting, making sure that like she's not going to fall into the new sharks infesting the moat that they had built around the house or whatever. It was piranhas. Oh, piranhas. Of course it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It's very cute. And then the end of the story is indeed Wednesday returning and there's sort of, because this is coming off of the Adams Family movies, there's kind of an exchange with the family of like, how do we really know that it's you? Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because that's like the premise of that first movie is them suspecting that Fester isn't Fester. Well, because he doesn't think he is Fester. He's pretending to be Fester, but I guess he ends up, it's fine, whatever. (laughs) But there's a lot of references to that and a lot of parallels with the whole Bermuda Triangle thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yeah, we reference his amnesia in the Bermuda Triangle, but they make it very explicit, like, well, no, she knows who she is, so it's not that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing they ask us the test, what, something about, like, Hamlet, like, what they, play she did at some point. They kind of take turns. Like, Pugsley asks, um, Pugsley asks how, Pugsley asks how they know she's her. She says, because it's me, Pugsley, you plebeian. Uncle Fester had amnesia when he came back, but he was still him. That was enough for Gomez. And then Fester asks, what's the play you and Pugsley performed at the school pageant? And it was Hamlet, and he helped them with the horrible gore effects using chicken blood. That convinces Fester and Pugsley. And then I, I like the line, like, it, it, it ends with Morticia. Gomez had turned to her and spoke quietly. Tish, it's her. It's our beautiful, brilliant little girl, and she's finally home. Why aren't you happy? And then the, the, the line from Morticia's perspective here in her head is, Her husband was a gorgeous, affectionate man. His brother was a funny, intensely loyal man. Her elder son was a sweet, generous boy. But they were Adam's men. Together they had the brains of a kumquat. <laughs> Someone had to show some intelligence around here. Mm-hmm. I, I buy that that's how Morticia, you know, thinks in her head. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We should, which we should mention because she says elder son. Also, Pubert is, makes an appearance. Pubert is there. And he seems older than a baby. Like, it's not unclear well, he should be. what age he is. <laughs> obviously, but, yeah. Can't take it for granted. I mean, like, who knows what's going on with some of the members of that family, but <laughs> cousin it and such. Oh, yeah. They made a reference to, like, 
Wednesday looking like Cousin It from the back with her like unfurred hair or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Cousin It himself does not make an appearance. No. Nor does Thing. Yeah. I was going to say, because Thing is such a big part of the Wednesday series. It makes no, there's not even a reference to Thing in this entire fanfic. I was waiting. I know. Disappointed. Definitely the breakout character of that TV show. Also really good in the, at least the first half of the movie that I saw. (laughs) What I want to read about is a fanfic of why Thing's hand is sewn up, right? Like in the TV show. Mm. Because in the movies, it's a regular hand. Like. True. You're just a regular disembodied hand crawling around, right? <laughs> Completely ordinary. Yes. You have to imagine, though, so it, like some years have passed, like things, yeah, somehow got dismembered. There's some references in the Wednesday TV show to like him being an expert safe crack. Oh, right. Or him. I don't know. What are the pronouns for thing? Uh, I think it's him. Thing, thing, thing self. Yeah. Thanks. You're right. So maybe in some of his events, say, we'll say him uh, it, there. I, I think they say him in the I show, think don't so. they? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So then some of his adventures with Fester maybe yeah, yeah. got into some trouble. Oh, there's space there. <laughs> For sure. But anyway, Tori, you were talking about not understanding the end of the story, and I didn't quite get it either. So Morticia asks, look, okay, you're back. Let's say you're Wednesday. How do we know you even went to the Bermuda Triangle because you could have just like stepped out for two years and then come back and said, hey, I, I threatened my life. We're all good. And, and not just that. She was worried that maybe she like worked as a di- at a diner as a waitress or something like that, like some terrible normal job. Right. Wednesday's like, you know that if I worked at a diner, I would have everyone would have been poisoned I, by the end of the day. Yep. <laughs> but then to convince Morticia... She tosses an envelope to Morticia. Written on black parchment in Wednesday's telltale looping script was her proof. I kept my promise. I came home. And then that somehow is significant and convinces Morticia because she had promised Wednesday to come home if, you know, if she could or to, you know, send word if she died, right? Um, but I still don't understand how that actually proves the that she verifies that the last rites were done i is it a character point yeah i'm uncertain about that as well in fact i I almost even glossed over that because i was just more confused by the joke at the end no yeah i don't get that either but um yeah i i don't know this is supposed to be at the relationship between wednesday and morticia right and it does serve its purpose but yeah, I, I have the same confusion as you, Amato. Sorry. Because she would, like, she would see that Wednesday kept her promise, as far as that goes, just by the fact that she walked through the door. Right? This still doesn't prove she was in the Bermuda Triangle. Am I missing something? Maybe it's something to do with the end of the first movie, which none of us actually watched recently. Mm. There could be something there. I rewatched Adam's Family Values recently, but not. No, I didn't do one. the work there. Hmm. I think this is highly referential because what follows that is um, Fester asks, how'd you like the Bermuda Triangle? The Dutch boys give you a drink like I said they would. And then Wednesday says, everyone knows the rule of the Flying Dutchman. Uh, Don't drink the water. And that's the note it ends on. And I'm like, I don't get that at all. 
Is that a reference to Adam's family? Is that a reference to something else I don't understand? Like, Don't drink the water would be standard travel advice for going to like a country where the tap water is no good. Well, yeah, but like... So it seems like it's just supposed to be Adam's family humor of applying a mundane travel advice to going to the Bermuda Triangle and, you know, being on the cursed Flying Dutchman crewed by like whatever it's supposed to be crewed in by like, you know, damned sailors. Uh, I mean, the Flying Dutchman is like a, you know, folklore thing, right? Yes. Uh, I thought it was more like with like going into a fairy world, like don't eat the food or else you stay there kind of thing. That's what they mean by don't eat the water. That could be part of the implication. But but I think that's just supposed to be that kind of like gruesome juxtaposition with normality that Adam's family does sometimes. But but I still don't understand the character point of of the written note saying I kept my promise I came home. Me neither, but I I'm also still hung up on that last line because, sorry, I'm just gonna say one more thing, which is, if that's the joke, why end on that? Why end on that? Mm. Right? Like, because it's not that funny. I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> author. I, it's like it's not the, if that's the point of the joke, and I'm not sure that it is. It's not the funniest joke, and it's not. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to just bring levity to the very end. I guess that's fine. Yeah, but it's not wildly effective i agree it's like like you said as an ending point i'm just saying it's not a great joke it would be at most mildly contribute to an atmosphere of mild amusement in with a conversation with other stuff my main point is that it doesn't wrap around to anything else in the text which I, is what i would expect anyway moving on was there's possibility that like whoever they wrote it for could have been something related to that person's either of their either the author or the receiver's fan fiction also oh, possible story some sort of in joke yeah yeah maybe um yeah we just don't know but that brings us to the actual end of the story which didn't take too long so i guess the question is anything else we want to talk about from the story or you know adjacent um extraneous conversations because if you don't come up with something, I'm going to do my complaint about Wednesday as a show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> I still think we should. Um, well, never mind. I was like, can we come up with a hypothesis for why the letter is proof? But maybe we can't. Like, maybe it's in the same vein as that last joke. Like, it's just an in reference that we wouldn't have the context for. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm missing some context of some kind. That's what I feel like. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. Before we go into the show, I want to yes. point out two things that I liked about the fanfic. Just two little moments. Very good. Um, so when they're at the very beginning of the fanfic, when they're talking about like the nightshade being the, I guess, woman last name or something, they do mention Frump, which is like Morticia's maiden name. Mm-hmm. And they said because of like, r- like they're relaying the story of her parents and how they made they met. <laughs> and um, it mentions her, I guess this must be her dad, Arsenic Frump. The black sheep of the family, you know, quite touched in the head, thought he was a common policeman for the longest time. I just thought that was cute that like, you know, one of the like a disdain for like the ordinary. That's right. That characterizes their family. And then I also want to point out the end that like on the night that Wednesday comes back, her parents are, you know, you know, (laughs) doing whatever, you know, raunchy stuff that they do. And they made like brief uh, mention of that that they had to get dressed to come down to meet her. Well, you know, you got to keep the, the like correct Gomez Morticia characterization. Right. So oh, yeah. I just thought, you know, 
that was like just nice, you know, portraiture of the family. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, by the way, I one thing I really like about their characterization in Wednesday, Gomez and Morticia, is how the show goes out of its way to emphasize how completely unbearable it is for anyone else to be around them <laughs> at any time. Yeah. From like scene one. Anyway. So, well, sorry, I do want to emphasize, I, I feel like I've been just like querying or complaining about the ending, but this whole fanfic is wonderfully written in exactly that tone. Like even the very start, um, on their 18th birthday, each nightshade woman is sat down by her mother, or if her mother is fortunate enough to have been dismembered, eviscerated, set on fire, or otherwise deceased, another suitable nightshade female. It's like fortunate enough. You know, it's like all that tone. Um, and I think they just did a like a wonderful humor in, in each part of this fanfic. Um, yeah, uh, talking about how Morticia chose Chinese water torture. The blue lips, cracked nails, and frostbite made such a lovely contrast with her black lace wedding dress. And Gomez had always had a not-so-secret weakness for seeing her restrained. Uh, it's just, it's so in the tone. Yeah, it's very on point. Like, there's a time when Fester's relating his adventures in the Bermuda Triangle, and it ends with the time he met a mermaid, and she impaled him with her trident. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that seems like the kind of way that an encounter with a mermaid in this universe should go, is like blood... Um, gruesome blood. Right. And the other thing about like when Morticia chose Chinese water torture instead of acid or yeah, the, it's she basically, the death of a thousand drops, like poison is dropped onto their skin. She said, uh, the pain would have been exquisite, of course, but it would hardly do to be seen on her wedding day in something so gauche as boils. Boils for later in life. Bad luck to have them at a wedding. But here's the point I want to make about the Adams Family universe in this fanfic compared to Wednesday, the show. And I've complained about this to Serena. It seems, like in this fanfic, Morticia comes from a family that has a similar morbid vibe as the Adams. She marries into the Adams, but you know, they're like clearly part of the same sort of like weirdo community, right? Right. And in the show, nobody else in the world has anything like the Adams family um appreciation for torture and gruesome stuff and you know and morbidity and all that kind of stuff like it's even set in a school for outcasts but none of the outcasts are like yeah you know horror blood stuff at all and i find that very odd well it's like there's vampires clearly they're into blood uh, you know are they there's werewolves like maybe some of them are vicious it's like you don't get into <laughs> what the other characters are into so much. You only really get to know her roommate who is not into those things, but also because she's the black sheep of her family. Mm, I guess. But I guess for you, it's just not horrific enough. It's like, I, I feel like the existence of two families like this implies the existence of maybe more than two, and there's no evidence of that in the show. So I had the same thought as you did, Amato, watching the whole time. I was like, wait, shouldn't somebody be equally morbid? But I think it's easier to isolate it because you only have Wednesday, who is, of course... The most morbid? Yes, <laughs> uniquely so in her family. Like, her family is more affectionate. She's a misanthrope, like... Right. Genu genuinely enjoys, I don't know, killing people, probably, but... She learns the thing about the Wednesday show is she's learning to develop human relationships, which is interesting, but it doesn't take away from her 
Wednesdayness. But yeah, it is. It. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. I mean, it's a good point that there are vampires, but we literally don't see anyone who is has the same sort of humor that the Adams family is supposed to have. And the thing is, is that this was a cartoon originally, like a comic that was created in 1938, and it was supposed to this post-war thing, and it was supposed to just sort of juxtapose the happy nuclear family with just the oddness and morbidity. Mm-hmm. And I think you. You have to have that in an Adam's family thing. You have to have normal people to juxtapose them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they have to be the only odd ones. Like, sure, yes, okay, the universe, you're right. It implies that there are other people in the universe who are like this other than members of their family, of course. But I don't know. If you don't have the whole world around them being normal in that sense, then you don't have that juxtaposition. Mm. Yes, that is probably true. Yeah, that's a good point. The other people are in the show are mostly just like background for Wednesday being the foreground. And you want to contra- contrast Wednesday. You don't want her to blend into things. Right. Or, no. be, over- or be overshadowed by other teen stuff. Mm-hmm. Teen people. It could have been interesting, though, if they had like her love interest actually sort of being Tyler. Is that his name? Yeah. Freaking Tyler, whatever. <laughs> Like, he was never even that interesting until he turned out to be, like, oh, wait, you guys haven't seen that, so. Um, I, well, she has, but yes. We're on the last episode, what, but what even doesn't so. matter. We but. should also probably assume that all of our listeners who care have watched the 1991 Adams Family movie and the sequel. Um, we maybe shouldn't assume that they're caught up on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no spoilers, but... But freaking Wednesday's, Tyler. yeah, Wednesday's love interest should have been somebody who was morbid like her, right? One would like, think. Yeah. And then maybe turned out to be not the person she thought they were. Well. Rather than just a normal person. Well, I mean, they kind of know. tried to do that with like, with Xavier. Like, he seemed more morbid by, like, what he paints and stuff. Mm. Yeah, and then but, he's not what she thinks he is, but in a good way, in a better but, direction. Yeah, <laughs> but she's never interested in him. She hates him. Well, sort of. I mean, you know, at first, that's the... Yeah. No know. spoilers. <laughs> After episode one of that show, where Wednesday's just like, I do not care if I die alone. I was hoping that she was just going to have people falling over her and just be like straight asexual, like no interest for the whole show. Right. They did not go that route. I think it's fine, though, because I think it's pretty, well, no spoilers. <laughs> few spoilers. Minimal spoilers. I just think it's pretty clear that her and Werewolf Girl are going to hook up at some point. There you go. That's endgame. You know, the amount of Wednesday fan fiction that must be being written as we speak is probably outstanding. Um, I know, but that's not retro, so. We'll meet back here in 15 years. <laughs> Survey the cream of the crop. (laughs) It's always been the plan. (laughs) All right. Does that finish up our discussion? Should we end on things that we have to complain about in the story and then things we like most? Sure. I don't know what y'all normally do at the end here. That's normally what we do at the end. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we already had some complaints, but if there's anything else that you think the story could have improved a bit. Um, I think that, yeah, whatever whatever point the author was trying to make um, 
with the envelope at the end, I think was not made clearly enough for someone who is me. (laughs) Maybe it was made clearly enough for someone else, and I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I I feel like I already did my complaints. Yeah. And I don't want to hammer it home too hard. I will say that I suppose the emotional notes are there, like we mentioned, like, Yes, it's convincing her mother that it's really her. And then they hug and embrace. And this time Wednesday doesn't uh, pretend to be asphyxiating when she embraces her mother. And then the ending on the oddball humor. I think that's all bing, bang, you did it. But they just picked the wrong pieces. And they do mention that they had the quickest beta ever. I wonder if they also, because it's very short, hammered it out very quickly. So I guess instead of complaining more, I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass because it seems like it was like they they knew what they wanted to do. They just didn't know quite how to wrap it up. Sure. I mean, we try to end on praise. We try to stay positive. Oh, well, that that was my. Yeah. That was my explanation of my criticism rather than a criticism. But I mean, we're, we're not trying to tie <laughs> this fanfic down and subject it to torture or anything like that. But it would like it. (laughs) Serena, is there any complaint that you haven't had a chance to make yet or a thing that you think could be improved in the story? Um, nothing comes to mind. Well, then I guess we just end on our praise for the story. What's your favorite thing about this story or something that you'd like to shout out the author for? Well, I definitely feel like within the first the first few paragraphs really set the scene and like the tone and everything to the point where it's just like, you know, a little bit uncomfortable to read at times, like <laughs> talking about, you know, pain and boils and, you know, all those things. Uh, so that was, I feel like, realistic to the Adams Family um, setting. And I agree. I think it's a good hook also. It gets you in to the premise of the story, which they have to establish quickly while making room for a few of those dark humor jokes um, to make sure that you kind of understand the tone. I would agree. Mm -hmm. And also I liked that they aged her, as you all had mentioned already, like into teenager and they like tried to say some things that she was into. I think they mentioned like chemistry and something else like, which obviously is a bit different in the Mm -hmm. show with her writing as being Mm -hmm. her main thing there. But I like that they tried to like give her a little bit more like grown up grown up interests. Yeah. I you know what occurred to me look Pubert is completely irrelevant and he has no personality cuz he's a baby in that movie. Right. But like if you're aging people up I like I want to I want to hear a little bit about what this author imagines a third Adams family kid might be like at this age or whatever. I mean I guess that's kind of a praise is like all of the little character points whenever the author makes one are good. So I wanted to see more of them. And I can't quite call that a complaint because, look, this author was writing this as a gift, you know. They they got in and did their thing. I don't think it's a flaw with the story, but I think my highest praise is I kind of want to read more of this author just writing about the Adams Family doing things. They've got the tone down and the characterization down in such a short, you know, I always praise conciseness because that's just <laughs> something I'm terrible at as we all know because you are literally trained as an english teacher uh, <laughs> literally trained to ramble so my heart's content wait anyway i'm technically also trained as an english teacher <laughs> yeah yeah it all i sense. wonder 
<laughs> but yeah, these little pieces of prose and like some of these paragraphs, like the shortest paragraphs are five words. Mm-hmm. The longest paragraphs are like three sentences. And each thing is such a contained, concise piece. Like we talked about a Wednesday resembling cousin it from behind, but like that was, it was so contained. Wednesday had left the braids for a childhood behind, letting it grow unchecked to tangle down her back. When she was in one of her surlier moods, if she'd gotten anything less than perfect marks in chemistry, or if Pugsley had beaten her at sword fighting, <laughs> she refused to brush it at all, causing her to resemble Cousin It from behind. Like, and then you have the reference to Cousin It, and then you have a characterization of Wednesday, which apparently is extremely accurate, because it's felt to me before I'd even watched the movie exactly like the Wednesday of the TV show in a lot of ways, like that obsession with getting a perfect score and being the best at everything and, and just generally being the best at everything. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of like the implication that Pugsley could sometimes beat her at sword fighting because it gives more um, character to Pugsley too. It's very low-key characterization, but, like, the author yeah. definitely is like, look, he's going to grow up. He's not going to be, like, a, you Exactly, know. yeah. Like, subject of her torture games all the time, yeah. Exactly. He's going to be six foot three, and he's going to beat her at swords sometimes. hmm Like, let's give Pugsley something. Right, it, exactly. Yeah. He needs something. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our discussion. Thanks for stepping in for this very short one, especially you, Serena. My pleasure. Since we share the raising of two children, we kind of have to arrange our entire schedule around being able to record an episode together. So I appreciate you being willing to do that. And Tori, I guess you show up every week, so I just take you for granted. That's fine. I'm fine with being taken for granted. In fact, I prefer it. (laughs) Tori over here is a serious graduate student. Very serious. So serious. <laughs> what I, mean, I didn't mean to sound like a joke. <laughs> Tori has things too. That's true. Yeah, but my things are more uh, rectangular, paper shaped than. Never mind. Your things are covered in hair and they wander around the house. There's also <laughs> that, but. <laughs> that's that's, that's it. it. I'm sorry. That's cousin it. Oh, geez. <laughs> I feel it. You know, I thought you were talking about my dog. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, it should have been a disembodied hand joke. Sorry. Ah, so close. This was episode 149 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective The Last Rites of Wednesday Adams by Voodoo Child, written for Caro D in Yuletide 2007. You can find it on AO3, though it does require a sign in to read if you don't have an AO3 account. I guess you're just going to have to make one. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. Our podcast is edited by Della Rose, who is not unlike a hand that emerges from a box in the room to operate the machinery, and is otherwise unseen. Uh, Apparently in the original Adams Family TV show, thing is like a whole arm that like oh really yeah i mean you know low tech right great but like there's like places that it comes out in all the sets <laughs> anyway um you can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic and if you have questions comments or thoughts about the episode you can contact us on twitter at retrofanfic 
Facebook at RetroFanfic. Send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. Also, as for Twitter, Mastodon is looking better every day, so we're going to see how long that lasts. You could also leave comments or reviews on the podcast service of your choice, which would also be appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. And I'm Serena. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Who knows how to snap? Oh, everyone except me, sir. Okay. I'm not very good at it, honestly. I think Siri does his better. Oh, it's such a catchy song, too. I think that's the main thing from the album. The catchy theme song.